Hi and welcome everyone to Serum Rocks. Today's podcast will be about modeling security in dynamic CRM. And with me today I have Eliza Benitz. Eliza is working and living in Melbourne for Myriad IT. Eliza has experience with Microsoft Dynamics CRM since version 4.0 and started vlogging last year. She's fond of food and has a sweet tooth. In her spare time, she's out and about exploring Melbourne. And this year, she's planning to make time off from work to see parts of Europe. Welcome, Eliza Bennett. Hi. How are you doing today? I'm good, thank you. So, how did you start in Dynamics CRM? Well, I I was fresh out of university and... I joined a company back in New Zealand called Intergen, and I joined in the sales team. So I was working alongside the general manager of sales at the time, and my responsibility was to oversee CRM4 that was being used at the time, um, which the sales team were using. So my boss made me the person to keep an eye on the sales team, making sure that they're updating the opportunities and closing out the opportunities whenever they were won. So sometimes um, the salespeople just want to update their records regularly. And that's how I became familiar with CRM. And over time, I managed to improve the CRM for the sales team. And then eventually I moved over to another team within the same company in a client-facing role. All right, so you started actually with your own CRM and now you're helping out others to do the same. Yeah, and um, I remember at the time when I was was learning, one of the the senior consultants, she just gave me the the CRM book. It was like this thick book. remember it so clearly and that's how I learned I pretty much just self-taught myself and then she would correct me whenever I did something um I wouldn't say wrong but if I did something differently than the way it should have been yeah those were good times did you model security back then too or is it an interest from now on um I didn't model security back then, but when I did move in my other role within the same company, that's when I started to learn about security roles, because that role was supporting clients both in New Zealand and in Australia, and usually my team would take on board projects after it went live, and sometimes the security roles needed to be reconfigured because after post-go-live, the end users would be using the CRM in a different way that was envisioned during the project. And, you know, as you and I know, sometimes the security roles need to be changed after a go-live. For that reason, you just can't you just can't predict how end users will use it or um, your end users might change in terms of their interaction with the CRM. So an example might be you would have a group of end users that you initially thought, or you and the client thought, would only be using a particular area of CRM. But then over time, their interaction with the CRM becomes more dependent. And so they need more access to another bit of CRM that probably wasn't foreseen during the design and delivery of the project. I would actually say that it happens every time. Yeah, it does. And I think it's a good thing that they're exploring new parts of the CRM system and perhaps finding edge cases that we didn't consider or need more privileges than we didn't anticipate. Yeah, I I find that it's quite common for end users to only only want to stick to what they've been told during the project, but then af- after they become more familiar with the CRM and they're more comfortable with it, 
they're they're open to being able to to do more with the CRM. But then that that also goes with the the design of the solution as well. So how do you start with trying to explain all the dimensions of modeling security that CRM has these days? Yeah, it's it's quite um I wouldn't say hard, but every every client or, or customer that, that you work with, um, they operate well, no client or no customer is the same, put it put it that way. And so when you're when I start doing workshops with with my clients, I tend to ask them, you know, who do, who do you think will be using the CRM? Like, who do you envision when you when you close your eyes? Who do you see in your organization that's going to be updating records? Um, who's going to be receiving email notifications when certain records change state? And that's how I get them talking about um, their organization, because generally. If a client is brand new to Microsoft Dynamics CRM, they're not going to understand the security roles straight away or things like um, the business unit and the security model or um, the concept of sharing using Teams or having a record being um, visible to a particular access team. They're not going to understand it straight away. So the way I approach it is, Kind of talking in their language, getting them to tell me um, who their different teams are in the organization or departments. And after I get an understanding of how they work, that's when I slowly start to introduce the different concepts of the security model in Microsoft Dynamics CRM. So I usually start with talking about the business units, but sometimes if I recognize that an organization doesn't have, you know, a a hierarchy, um, so if they operate in a flat structure, then I'll just go straight into security roles. So you start with trying to understand their organization and take their departments as business units into CRM. But then you have this pie charts of granularity in the security roles. How how do you go about that? Yeah, so sometimes it's not how do I explain this? If I if if I get um a client to show me their um their organization model, so if I have a look at the different teams um, or departments within the organizations. Sometimes I, I don't apply um, business units only because I ask the client, do they plan in having other teams using the CRM? So sometimes a client may have multiple teams, but each team will have their own system that they use. So a common one is um, the finance team, they may have their own system that they use versus an HR team where they have their own HRM system. But for in the scenario where you've got um, clients that do want to roll out the CRM across the company, yes, I will use um, business units. However, with that being said, it's still important to understand um, the security role in the CRM in terms of the privilege and the depth of access within the security role because that will work in conjunction with um, business units if business units is going to be used in the CRM. So with with security roles, um, you can have it done. So you can have it configured based on the user, um, the business unit of the user, or you can have um, the parent-child business unit of the user. So the user can access any records 
within their um, parent and child business units or at an organization level. So that's what we usually call the the depth of access within the privilege of the security role. So a privilege would be read, create, write, just any of the others, append, append to, and delete. Assign and share. Assign and share, that's the one. So do you try to go with as flat structure as you possibly can and only have yeah, the top organization if you don't have to? Yeah, so for me, um, so this this is another thing that I, I find that happens a lot with clients I work with. Um, so what I talked about earlier was um, a client may sometimes only envision one particular team or department in their organization using the CRM, but then after a year or so, they then realize, okay, we're getting value out of um, the CRM, so let's roll it out to another team. And so if initially you create a flat um, security model, it's not that difficult to move it into the hierarchy model, so where you've got a parent business unit and then child business units and then end users within those business units, but it's more challenging to go from the hierarchy to the flat style because... Once, once the client understands um, the hierarchy of the security model, so this is only in the case where you've applied the hierarchy security model, it's hard for them to look at how to separate, how to break down that structure into one single layer, whether it's trying to put what used to be business units into either one team or breaking down the end users into a single layer. So so you try to keep it simple, that's what you're saying. Yes. So when when you when you start with a flat structure and if the client wants to introduce another team or department to use CRM, then that's when you then sit down with the client again and talk about who in this team will need access to records throughout the CRM, and with that, with having that conversation, you can then already identify whether you're going to use the different depth of access combined with the privileges for that new team as part of the new hierarchy model um, in the CRM. With that in mind, do you then try to make them understand it so that they can change their own business rules and manage their own business units what i'm trying to say is do you teach them these this so good or so depth that they can try to manage the system by themselves and change their own security roles for me it's that one's a tough one to answer only because i've worked with clients who understand the concept of how security works in the CRM versus clients who, who don't understand the different methods of security in the CRM. And it's, it's usually the clients that haven't worked with an application like the CRM before, where they are used to having a system that's completely bespoke and managed by the IT team or the service provider, so the vendor in this scenario. But for the clients that have that type of background and knowledge, it's not hard for them to understand that for a security role, um, this is how a privilege works in conjunction with the depth of access. So whether that's um, user or organization owned, and they understand that that works with business unit as well. So does that mean that you just ask them flat out, are you interested in learning this yourself or do you want us to handle it? Yes. I wouldn't I wouldn't say it exactly in, in that in the way that you asked, but it's it's more of No, of course not. Yeah. But how, how, <laughs> it's more of how, how comfortable are you in taking ownership of this and how much 
time does the client have as well? Because with all clients, they they all have their own responsibilities, and sometimes they they don't want to take um, ownership of learning security and the CRM, and that's when they pick up the phone and will call us. Yeah. Yeah. From my perspective, every customer is unique in that regard. That how much they focus on their core business or not. Yeah. Some businesses focus a lot on the core business and just call you for everything. And some want to handle more or less everything themselves. Yeah. So that's your question then. How comfortable are you with learning new stuff about your system here? Yes. So how many discussions with the customer regarding the security methods do you have? I have a lot. So with with security, earlier I I only touched base briefly on security roles and the business unit, but then there's the there's the other layer of what we call record based security. So that's that's sharing. That's when you want to use sharing a record to either a user or a team. And then another method is access team so that was introduced in CRM 2013 and then now we have the brand new position and manager hierarchy that is introduced in CRM 2015 so there's going to be so many discussions with the client to understand how we model the security that that fits them oh and I just remembered um, I didn't mention field level security so that that's another uh, method that was introduced in CRM 2011. So that's being able to have an end user see a field, whether they can update that field. After you talked about business units and security roles, do you go for sharing as your second option and talk to them about that? Sometimes I I will talk about it. So one of the clients I worked with was they were dealing with contacts, contacts within their particular department. But if that contact was identified as a potential, let me just think of the word, a potential, I want to say nuisance, but that's not the right word. Basically, if if this contact was causing trouble for the organization, they would essentially be put in a, not, not in an actual list, but they use the term blacklisted, so they would have to notify the uh, another department that handles those types of contacts, but should only see blacklisted contacts. So in that scenario, that's when they share the contact with that other department, so that that department can handle the contact if that contact makes a phone call to the organization. Um, so in that scenario, that's when we use the sharing of a record, and that's when we show the client um, and users how to share a contact record with that other team. We did consider using access teams. So part of an access team requires you to create an access team template and then the end user would manually um, share that contact record with the other team. However, because access team uses the concept of sharing and not record ownership. When you go to the contact view and if you if the end user selects contacts that are owned by myself or my team where that user is part of an access team, they won't see those records that they have access to. And that's because access team doesn't use um, ownership of records. So we would have to create another view for the customer that will show them if you're a part of an access team, here are the records that you have access to. And they weren't particularly happy with how they had to switch from an ownership view versus a shared view. And that's, yeah, that's that's my experience in terms of, of access teams. That was the only client where we did apply access teams and they weren't entirely happy with it. So then we had to um, use the, the team the record-based security, so the sharing with another team or an end user. Um, but that's now, but that's now 
somewhat, I wouldn't say solved, but that's what our manager and physician hierarchy can do in Xeom 2015, where it will display any records that you have the ability to read or update or append or append to within your hierarchy based on your position or manager in the hierarchy. So it's a pretty big step going from the security roles and the business units, which are a totally overall security. Yeah. I mean, if you create a security role in a top organization, that's going to be inherited down and you can use that for everyone. And the step going down to sharing, that's always on individual entries. Yes. I mean, yes, you can have cascading rules for sharing and stuff like that, but it's still a, yes, I shared this one with this team or this user. So what do you have in between that you explain to? Um, well, now with CM 2015, there's the concept of hierarchical security. So there's two options that you can use. The first one is manager manager um, security, so that will use the structure of the end user profile. So in the end user profile record, there is a field that's called manager, and within this field, you select another end user that is to be the manager of the this particular end user profile. So when you use manager hierarchy in CN 2015, that's what it uses. So, for example, if John is a manager of Jane and Mary, John will be able to have full access to Mary and, I already forgot the other person's name, Jane. Um, however, if John reports to someone else, so in his end user record, his manager is, let's say, Sheila, um, Sheila will have Again, access to John's records, but at the third level, which is um, Mary and Jane, Sheila will only have read access, so she won't be able to um, update or append any other records to the to the records that um, Sheila and Jane are an owner of. So that that provides another level of access, and then the other. The other hierarchy method is position hierarchy in CM 2015. So it's it's kind of similar to manager hierarchy, but this time around it's it's more of based on what position an end user um, belongs to. And with position hierarchy, you can have more than one more than one business unit associated to the position. So if Mary and Jane are in business unit A, and they belong to, let's say, the the sales position, you could essentially have another um, group of end users that belong to another business unit, so business unit B, that are also associated to the same sales position. So then that means um, the business unit A and business unit B end users will be able to um, have access to each other's records as well because they're in the same position. So that means that they're sort of siblings in the organization hierarchy. Yes. So on on top of position hierarchy, with positions, you can also associate a parent position. So if, what was the example? So if the sales position reports to another um, position, so let's say, the director's position, then essentially the directors will also have read, create, append, append to, and update access to to the salespeople within that sales position. So again, business unit A and business unit B. Overall, the new hierarchical security in CRM 2015 introduces another type of flexibility in, in the security model. And one of the advantages that I find from the new hierarchical security is you don't need to create separate views. I haven't investigated it further, but it seems like it doesn't use 
the sharing concept, something else is being applied so that users that are within the position hierarchy or the manager hierarchy can have access to those end users that they are either a manager of or a parent position of. And because you don't have to create separate views, you can also view the records when you create advanced finds or dashboards. And that's that's something that I think is really good about hierarchical security. Um, with that being said, I haven't I need to look into it more because previously in the past, if you share going back to what we talked spoke about earlier, if you're sharing records with different end users, um, in the background in the database, there's an entry that's always being created in the um, the POA table, uh, principal object, object access table. So sometimes if you're working with a, a client who's going to be constantly sharing records, that table is going to grow over time. Um, but I haven't yet investigated what what the back end does in terms of dealing with the new hierarchical security. So according to my experience previously, um sharing is sort of yeah you can do it but it's it's not the first option in crm because if you do it on a large scale it can have a performance impact on your system because everything is in this one table and then that's going to grow exponentially yeah so can we do a short recap of the hierarchy here again so you had manager hierarchy and if you have three levels of that you have the let's call them directories directors level that's the top level and then we have the manager level that's the second one and then we have yeah say sales people on on the third level so so talk to me about that from from the manager hierarchy so in the in the manager hierarchy, um, you can set the different depth of hierarchy in the security settings of CRM 2015. So that that allows the different the different levels within the hierarchy. So if let's say if you stick with three, so at the top you've got the director level of managers, then you've got managers as your second level. And then sales as your third level. If at the, f- if, let's say there is a fourth level, if we call it, let's say the sales administrators, because you've only set your depth of access to be three levels, that means essentially the directors, which is at the top level, will not have access to the sales administrator records. So that's another thing that you need to be aware of when you when you use manager hierarchy and it's setting that depth of levels within the access throughout this hierarchy so and that means that the directors can see and edit the manager's records yes and then they can see but not edit the salespeople's records and in your example they can't even see the sales administrator's records. No, um, and that's because the depth of access is set to three and, and not four. So that's a that's another setting in the um, security settings area of CRM 2015 for um, hierarchical security. Yeah, and that's a global setting for the entire organization. Yes, it's either um, on or off. Okay, great. So then position hierarchy, what would you say is the the main difference between the position hierarchy and the manager hierarchy? What can I do in position hierarchy that I can't do in manager hierarchy and vice versa? Okay, so with with your end users, um, in terms of the manager hierarchy, it always needs to be associated back to a manager in CRM 2015. Um, so if they don't, if they're not associated to a manager, then the manager hierarchy won't work. Similar to position hierarchy, but 
the cool thing about position hierarchy is that it allows different end users from different business units to be grouped together in one position. So that's quite useful if you have another level, so a parent position. So let's just use a manager example again, a manager position that needs access and able to, sorry, in, in order to um, update or append to records that are owned by that child position um, in spite of the end users being in different business units within that position. Okay. So this means that I can't control this per entity or per per business unit. It's solely per the user and if they have a position and or if they have a manager in that entity. So when you create new users, perhaps you should set this so you can use this later on. Is that a good recommendation? Yes. But I just remembered, in the system settings, you can exclude uh, which entities should the the hierarchical security model should not be applied to. It gives you that flexibility as well. So you can select entities to exclude from the hierarchical security. It allows you to do that in the security settings. Okay, I didn't know that. So... Does that mean that I can use this hierarchy for accounts, but then skip it for contacts? Yes, yes, you can. Is it every entity or just a couple of entities that I can choose from here? It will be, it will be entities that have record ownership. So what I mean by that yeah. is records that can be owned by actual users. If it's a record that is not owned by a user, so it's owned by the organization, then they won't appear in here. And that makes sense, right? Because if they have organization-owned records, it's just either you can access all of them or you can't. Yes. So that makes sense because that has you don't need that kind of fine granularity. It's just on and off. Yeah, so I, I guess it's a... This is actually a, a good thing to consider when you create custom entities and whether they need to be organization-owned. If they are going to be organization-owned, then um, the customer or the client has to be aware that they won't be able to apply um, hierarchical security. Yeah. So does this mean that you will be even more cautious with actually creating organization-owned entities? Yes. Definitely. Because even today it's kind of risky if you ever want to go find granularity on business units and you've created this as organization owned. Yeah. You're kind of screwed. Yeah, you are. And, you know, methods that I used, um, if we do make a custom entity record owned and if the client gets confused about why they're seeing, um, you know, that owner field, all you have to do is just hide it, make it, make sure it doesn't appear on, on the form. Because I think with organization-owned entities, the thing that that clients don't don't really get at the time when when you if you do choose to go through the organization-owned entity route is whether another team needs to have access to that particular record versus another team that shouldn't have access to it. Sometimes the the client will understand that it's either you know, the on or off concept, either you don't allow access to this record or you do, but there's there's no depth of access or privileges being applied since it's an organization-owned entity. Do you ever find that some customers, the security roles is more of a convenience than an actual security rights thing? So... It's more like the secure that the customer wants. Oh, we want to limit the amount of records so they actually can find stuff that's relevant, instead of, oh no, they're not allowed to see that at all. Yeah, and yeah, I I actually do come across those particular situations every now and then. And if it's if it's what you were talking about, like being able to to prevent 
records from from being seen or only looking at certain records that meet um, particular criteria. That's when we have to educate the the customer about advanced fines. Um, so that's when we tell them, look, if you only want to see contacts that are based in, um, let's say, Sweden and have a credit limit of 50,000 and above, then a way of finding those contacts is actually using advanced fine and rather than, you know, applying a security method around that because it just, it just, it just doesn't fit that, that purpose of what the client wants to achieve. Yeah, because some organizations, they don't mind that everyone sees everything. It's just that it's a lot of data. So they can't find what's actually relevant for their users. So they want this, my accounts view or my customer view to be relevant. And that's actually what they want to achieve with these security roles. Do you talk about field level security about with them too, with their customers? Yeah, I I tend to ask them about, um, I don't tell them about field level security away, but I, I tend to ask questions like um, who should be seeing this data on this record and the, the common scenarios is when um, the CRM is going to have an approval process. So if there's a particular um, manager or a group of end users that should only be able to update the approval field, um, that's that's when I ask those types of questions. Who, who should be allowed to update this field because we can apply another level of security? Another scenario might be if there's credit information being held within the CRM, so what credit is owing to either their customer or what credit the customer owes to the organization. Um, and then another one might be sensitive information. So if I go back to that example I talked about earlier about blacklisted contacts, not every single team or business unit that sees a contact record should know that this is a, a blacklisted contact, um, only a particular department should. So then that's when you apply field level security on that field, whether it should be visible by these group of end users or not visible by another group of end users. And usually the feedback from the client is, is that they, they like field level security because even if you try to do advanced fine, the, that level of security is still applied. So if an end, u- end user does an advanced fine and for whatever reason that field is, is already a column in the view, they still won't be able to see or interact with that field based on the field level security profile that they have been assigned to. Yeah, just like on the records, they can't find the records that they don't have access to read. Yeah. So generally, clients clients do like field level security. I, I find that I have little problems with explaining to them how it works. I think as soon as soon as you sit down with them and you and you actually show them, they they get it straight away. Okay, because I have some customers that have find it kind of backwards from the rest of the CRM security model. Oh really? But yeah, because when you add roles to a user they get ever more access. They can't ever get less access the more roles you append to them. Yeah. But on the other hand, if you add one field-level security, you remove perhaps one or two fields, and the more field-level security you add, the more things you remove from them. Have you ever got into that? that that's, that's a little bit confusing. Yeah, oh, only because... After you've finally, you know, explained and they understand security roles and then you, you introduce field level security and how it needs a, a field level security profile for the end users that should have access to the field versus the end users that shouldn't have access to the field. Um, yeah, I agree. Sometimes that can, that can make them misunderstand how it works, but all I have to do is explain to them that it's, it's only it's only being applied to this field and not 
you know, all of, or any other field within that particular record that the end user is, is viewing. Um, once they get past that level of understanding where they, they don't understand it first, then, then they're okay with it. Okay. Do you ever go to, through a discussion where you take like, oh, if you have X fields or more, then you perhaps should consider not going with field level security, but creating a new custom entity and make a relationship to that and, and just handle it with ordinary security roles instead. Yes, that is, that, that, that will be the case, um, when there are quite a number of fields that need to be, that do not need to be seen by another end user. So those fields can lie within a custom entity where the end users that do require access to that particular custom entity have that custom entity set up in their security role. So then that way you leave um, the other record to be visible by every other end user that needs to have access to um, the record without seeing that sensitive or fields that they shouldn't be seeing because that's separate in that custom entity. Yes, we have. I have. I have done that as well. So, where do you draw the line from field level security to a new entity? Usually, whenever a, cl- a client I work with has an approval process, they're fine with the field being on the same record because that end user has to see the other information that the owner of the record applied. Whereas, if it's highly Sorry, whether if it's if it's more information that's linked to a particular record where let's say there's there's ten fields um, and ordinary users don't need to see those ten fields, that's when you would move it out of that particular record into its own custom entity. It's I guess it's more of working with the customer to understand how comfortable are they with these fields appearing differently to a particular end user that might be accessing this record every every day or frequently, um, and it's just yeah, it's a, it's a, it's working it out with the the customer. How how comfortable are they with having um, fields, a number of fields on one single record um, that other end users may not necessarily need to see or be aware of. We have uh, done a, a solution like that and then we added a sub-entity and then we added that back as a subgrid in the form and then just no rows ever showed up for those who didn't have access to it. Otherwise, the users that could access that had one line of extra additional fields there on the form so they at least didn't have to go the extra step to look at it. Yeah, and I guess that's one of the the great things about um, how the CRM works. You know, all the all the components of CRM work with each other. So in your scenario, if you if the end users who do need to have access and seeing what that data is in those field security fields, you can add it as a subgrid in the security security level will still be applied versus having having your custom record not being available as a subgrid and allowing your end users to who do need access to those to that information to navigate through a different way in, in the CRM. Um, but ultimately I just I I do like how the CRM provides level of security but it will still work with the other components of the CRM, so advanced finds, dashboards, subgrids, what else is there? Excel export. Yeah, Excel export, and then I think also, if for whatever reason that that user has the same, sorry, if that user has the ability to log into the CRM database, again, they still won't be able to see that that data. If you have dynamic Excels, I think that's using those views for that. In the beginning, we talked a little bit about the um, user-owned entities, but we didn't really talk about that from 2011 and onward, there are actually user slash 
team-owned entities from that on. Um, does that make any difference for you? Yes. I think we did cover it when we were talking about the POA table. So I'll, I'll touch base on that again. When In CM 2011 and onwards, you could have records that are owned um, either by a user or a team, and if they want to share those records with another user or team, they can do that. But every time that record is shared, the an entry in the database will be captured within the POA table. So if the organization is going to be sharing records frequently, it's not really recommended because of how that POA table will grow. So it's it's understanding it's understanding what what records will be shared within the organization of the customer and how how frequently does it need to be shared. If it's quite frequent then you'd have to think about another plan on how to have those records being accessed by um, another team because over time it's just going to cause performance issues. Yeah, so if you share it, do share it with the team and don't share it with every user in that team because that's just a factor of number of rows more. Yeah. But I was thinking more of a if you have a user and that can from 2011 on have multiple teams and one team can one be in one part of the organization and have one set of access or security roles and the other team can be uh, in an other part of the organization and have a totally different set of security roles and that can pose both good and interesting challenges when you model the security yeah with with teams they that can cause issues i suppose if you're using a the hierarchy business unit security model and yes i would say it would pose some challenges because how do you i guess it gets hard to to be on top of what what records do need to be accessed by your different end users within the different teams, where the teams may be spread out against different business units. And if that if that's the case, I would I would probably you know try to think of a better way of handling um, access to those records. But then I do understand that there are, there are some scenarios where that type of modeling has to be applied for that very reason. So you can use this to actually say that we have two business units A and B and a user can actually have access to accounts in both those business units via those via teams in both of them and not have any other organization wide access or sibling or sub business unit to any of those. So it's a lot of knobs and bells and tinkle things that you can change now in CRM 2015. So we had the security roles, we had the business units, we have the user and teams and organization owned, and then we had access teams and we had hierarchical security we had failed level security and we had sharing i mean that's a lot of options yeah it's it it's a lot and i think it's it's always this when it in a project like when it comes to that configuration point of of doing security roles it it can be quite i wouldn't say quite tedious but it can be it can be challenging to work with the client at times to understand you know how how the different methods can be applied um and that's only because you may have a um a client that you're working with that's focused on getting the core functionality right in terms of the different processes within the CRM and um often if if you forget to talk to them about um, the different levels of security, it can be 
um, quite a challenge towards the end, and that's why I recommend for any service provider that's working with a customer right now, it's quite good to talk about security in, in the beginning, making them aware of for every process that they think of in the CRM that their end users will be doing, how's the end, how are the different end users going to be acting with the CRM, you know, who's actually going to be updating the records, um, who's going to be approving records or who is going to be seeing records but shouldn't be seeing certain certain data. Yeah. So do you have any recommendations, and not just keep it simple as possible, but do you have anything, try to do this instead of that, because that's going to be more reliable over time? Yeah, I, I mean, I don't, I don't really have a, like a, a single recommendation because of how every, every client is, is different and, you you really have to understand how the client operates before you can come up with a suitable security model for the client and in the CRM. Because if I if I touch base on the earlier point, during the project, both you and the, the client think you know what level of security should be applied, but then after a month or, or three months um, the customer might be logging cases and and sometimes it, it would be around that an end user can't access this record or it's not able to do this because you find that the security role hasn't um, been configured um, to meet that need. So it's 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 just a an ongoing relationship I would say. It's it's very it's very hard to bundle in, in one. Basically, you you have to understand a how the client works, and then b the different security methods that the CRM provides in order for it to work um, with the customer's needs. Okay, thank you, Eliza, for for your participation in CRM Rocks. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank to you who are listening and don't forget that you can comment on crmrocks.com. See you next time on CRM Rocks.